You are listening to The Sauna Show, a podcast that explores new ways to combat modern life and reclaim your health and vitality. My name is Sebastian Miro and I'm the CEO of Clearlight Saunas International and a passionate entrepreneur and health enthusiast. I'm sitting down with scientists, holistic health practitioners and change makers in the wellness space to talk about all things detox, health and happiness. Hi everyone, we have Dr. Mark with us again. I'm so glad that he reached out while he was in this area so we can have another recording of all the wisdom that you bring us. Thank you so much, Mark, for being here. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for inviting me back. Anytime, anytime. Yeah. Hey, um, I, rem I would like to pick up on where we, where we stopped last year when we had a recording uh, and we talked a lot about sort of protocols of, you know, sauna or heat protocols, mm -hmm. but not to the degree um, that I know you have knowledge of. So it would be great if you could take us a little bit through what you find are the building blocks of a good, um, you know, heat treatment or cold treatment or, you know, however you would like that to call that um, milestones or, or, you know, markers of what you would sure. put into it. I mean, I've done a lot of research mm. in this because I've often get asked, you know, mm. you know, what temperature and how yes. long and, and, you know, for this and that, mm. you know, what do I do? And, and really what you've got to go on is an incredibly rich history of people doing saunering and hot and cold bathing mm. for, you know, literally hundreds if not thousands of years. Yeah. And when you go into that, th there's a, a general protocol that has been used over the ages that seems to work really well. And we can unpack that, but that, that protocol is to rinse, mm -hmm. do hot, cold, rest, repeat. So that's a very simple you know, protocol. Rinse, mm -hmm. hot, cold, rest, repeat. Mm. And that's you know, traditionally, so you know, you're in, so you're actually, you're going in clean, so you're not, you know, you know the, you're actually preparing yourself for, mm. for the process. So this is not about, um, you know, going to get clean in the sauna and using the sauna as a, a form of hygiene. It's, a, um, it's actually a, a, a practice that you're preparing yourself for and you're getting rid of the dust of the day. And um, also by wetting your skin, you get more heat transfer. Um. Because water transfers heat 25 times more than air. Jeepers. So, you know, it's good to rinse off first, mm. and then you do heat. Mm. And the heat can be, you know, a sauna, infrared sauna, dry sauna, you know, could be a steam room, could be a hot tub that's, mm -hmm. you know, 40, 42, 43. In, in Japan, they go crazy hot. Yeah. Um, you know, up to 47, which I don't recommend. <laughs> uh, but you want to go into an environment where you're really stressing your body. And in terms of the, the length of time, it's not, again, it's not prescriptive. So it depends on your body in that moment. Mm -hmm. And the, the objective is to go to a place where you're comfortably uncomfortable. I think we talked about that. Yes. So that, that, that place of forced mindfulness. You're meeting your, your boundaries. That's it. And you stay there. And you're just visiting the edge of your that's, comfort that's zone. Like it. So yeah. it's, just, it's just having a little visit and yeah. saying hello to your comfort zone. And your comfort zone will change depending on your mood. Like if you're anxious and you've got the things going in your head, your comfort zone will be contracted. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling really good and relaxed, you know, maybe you can you know, tolerate more. So it's not about the time and uh, the heat, it's about what's happening with you in that moment. And I, I often liken it to a, like a yoga stretch. If you're you know, stretching in yoga and you get to the limit of your stretch, there's a point where it's sort of uncomfortable, but if you just breathe and focus, you can, you can be there. Mm. But if you try and push further, you're going to hurt yourself. Mm. So you don't want to push through that comfort zone. You just want to respect it. And there's that point where it just makes you 
focus on that area of your body or if it's heat if you just focus on your, on your body and you can just breathe and, and tolerate that and you may only have to do two or three breaths at that point maybe you know a little bit longer but how long can you be in that extreme heat and just breathe and be comfortable with it mm. and then at that point you change mm -hmm. so and that, that point is different for everybody but it's a notice you know you might go into the sauna and you'd be reading a book or mm. chatting but then when it gets really hot your body starts talking to you hey you know, m you know maybe we have to get out of here mm -hmm. and this is the point where i call when your mitochondria talk to your mind mm. so your mitochondria and your mind are on the same page <laughs> and the reason why they do that is because it, you're in a life-threatening situation mm -hmm. all life all life on earth uh lives within a very narrow narrow temperature window so all life has to deal with thermoregulation mm -hmm. if you get too hot for too long you die if you get too cold, too cold for too long, you die. Mm -hmm. So you can put yourself in a life-threatening situation. And the idea with a sauna um, is you're doing it in comfort and full control. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What would, be the, what would be the downside? Because I hear some athletes asking us, look, you know, really want even hotter saunas, you know, we want a really, really high, high temperature. And there's a lot of benefit in there for us. Um, my gut feeling tells me, like, if you push that too often too much, it's probably not so good, but I wouldn't actually know exactly what would be the downside of it or the danger. Well, it's not so much the temperature because uh, I mean, I've been in saunas 110 degrees mm. centigrade mm. in Germany, mm. uh, but it's very dry, mm. so you can tolerate that. It's still mm. really hot, and you have to breathe slowly, or your nose sort of mm -hmm. burns. And I find the tops of my ears sort of yep, <laughs> you know, yep. like they're going to burn, I that. so they have the sauna hats, you know. <laughs> um, so it's, it depends on the humidity because. You know, if that was humid, you wouldn't be able to, you know, a, a steam room at 48 degrees can be really, really hot because mm -hmm. of, of that water transferring. Mm -hmm. And then also movement is a big thing in those situations. So if you're just sitting still, you get the heat through conduction, you know, this radi you know, radiant mm -hmm. heat and then mm -hmm. it conducts into your body. If the air is moving, then you get conduction and convection. Mm. And that's why, you know, in Germany, they do the Alfgas. You know, they get the towels out and they swing that around. When you have the, the air mm. you know, with the, 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 um, the steam going over your body, you get this really intense heat because mm -hmm. you get both conduction and convection. Mm. So the, the temperature is not as important as how humid it is mm -hmm. and whether the air is moving. And it's really about your response to it. So how long does it take you to start sweating? And that, that's also different from everybody. If you're a regular sauna bather, sometimes you, you know, you'll, you'll crack, you know, you'll, you'll start <laughs> to sweat much sooner. Mm. Um, if you're doing three rounds, I, I suggest, you know, you know, rinse, hot, cold, rest, repeat. Mm -hmm. And it's good to do three rounds. And by the second and third round, you'll start to sweat much quicker than mm -hmm. the first round. And there's things you can do before you have the sauna and, and afterwards that, could, that, that um, yeah, can also enhance that. So uh, yeah, the temperature, people want it hotter, hotter, that's fine, mm. but it, it's really more to, to do with how they respond mm. and how long it takes them to sweat, how comfortable you feel. Mm. And often people feel more comfortable in an infrared sauna mm. because they can sweat at a lower temperature. So they can tolerate that better. Yeah. Um, so, and that's a personal preference, I think, as well. Yeah. But is there a real... Can you, I guess, impact the body negatively if you would way overstep sort of your edges well absolutely and, th and there's a you know another safety protocol that mm. I, you know, I really um recommend and you know that is you know you need to stay hydrated mm. 
So, you know, and with the best quality water you can, you yeah. can have. So, you know, hydration is super important and, you know, we can talk forever about water, but that's yeah. another topic. So, yeah, so if, if you're dehydrated, um, that's an issue. Mm. And um, if you're under the influence of drugs and alcohol, mm -hmm. that's an issue because you don't realise you're dehydrated. Uh, okay. So you want to be, you know, you don't want to be doing this drunk. And there have been, you know, deaths in saunas, mm. and most of them are associated with being drunk and alcohol. Because you go into the sauna, you're drunk, and you sort of fall asleep in the sauna, and your body dehydrates, and, you know, your kidneys pack up. Or, um, so, yeah, so um, staying hydrated, being aware, knowing your limits. So having a rough idea, you know, that, that you know, roughly after 10 or 15 minutes, I know that that's about my limit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not going to go for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. so, so roughly having an idea of what your own limits are is, yeah. is good. I mean, obviously taking care with hot surfaces mm -hmm. and also taking care with posture change. So if you're lying down in a sauna, you know, when you stand up, all your blood vessels are dilated. Mm. Your blood's going to, gravity is going to pull it down into your legs mm -hmm. and you're going to get dizzy uh -huh. and there's a chance of fainting. Right. Um, and, you know, if you're in a in finished sauna, you don't want to, you know, you'll faint and you know, hit the rocks and, mm -hmm. and burn yourself on the rocks. So, so, you know, taking care with hot surfaces and mm. taking care with just changing in your posture. So getting up slowly, maybe having a rail that you, mm -hmm. you know, when you get up, you can just hold on and mm. you know, stand up before you before you start walking out because mm -hmm. you don't want to faint. And then um, having fun, I think, is really important with it, mm -hmm. like enjoying it. This is not a, a torture chamber. This mm -hmm. is not something, you know, no pain, no gain and have to push through the pain barrier. Mm -hmm. No, you want to enjoy it. And, and I think that's really important. And, you know, th there's so many things you can do to enhance the fun, you mm -hmm. know, sharing with people, mm -hmm. bringing in other tools and tricks and mm -hmm. stuff which we can talk about. And then... The last thing is really resting. And I, I, I feel that's not often talked enough about, and that's you're exploring the edges of your physiology here. Mm -hmm. Now you do hot and then you do cold. Then you want to practice finding that balance point in the middle. Mm -hmm. That's the point of bliss. And it's also the point of homeostasis that gives you the greatest resilience. Because if you find that, that still point, it gives you the greatest movement in either direction. Mm. They say in, in martial arts and in Eastern wisdom, they say that the greatest movement comes from the stillest point. So if you can find that still point in your own mm -hmm. physiology, mm. then all your hormones and all your, your brain waves and all, all your whole body can come into a balance. Mm. And that aligning that and finding that still point, so you're actively doing nothing. Yeah. And that's a great time after a sauna and you've done the hot. The, the cold, it doesn't have to be that long. You're just sort of snapping cold and, and bringing your, the blood vessels yeah. you know, from open to closed. But then the relaxation, I, I suggest, yeah, you want to spend at least as much time relaxing as you have been in the sauna. So you relax outside of the sauna. And, and yeah. yeah, So and letting your body come into balance and to have an area prepared for relaxing. Yeah. So whether that's, you know, a lounge chair, mm -hmm. you know, um, a hammock mm -hmm. or, you know, somewhere where you're comfortable and you can really say, this is my time out, I'm actively going to do nothing. Yep. And you're just letting your body come back and find its balance. And that's, that's a really valuable time. It's a great time to meditate. Mm -hmm. It's a great time to get in touch with your body and mm -hmm. to see what's going on and, and try and, and, and find that still point, that, homeo that point of homeostasis. And that gives you the greatest resilience for coping with life and coping mm -hmm. with anything else that happens. And then once you've found that, that still point, then you can repeat the process. Yeah. You know, speaking from my own experience, I would, 
you know, I would, would hear your advice and then, you know, I might, might have a session and then there might be something on. So, you know, I just get up and, you know, and, and quit it there. And that might be okay. And, you know, I might not get the greatest benefit f from it, but it only becomes obvious when I have a really like, let's say, you know, I'm below, below power with my energy and so on. Mm -hmm. If you then push through, I certainly get the sense of this is actually unhealthy to do. Mm -hmm. Like I have to give my body the recovery every time there. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're going to the gym, you're doing a workout, then you yeah. have a sauna, then you get out of the sauna, have a shower and just, yeah, you know, keep going, going yeah. in the car. Yeah. Your body hasn't had a chance to really find its balance. So right. it's trying to do that yeah. while you're doing all these, you're dealing with traffic or you're, do, you know, you're doing all these other things yes. you have to do. And you're not giving your body a chance to really find that still point, find that, that point of, um, of homeostasis, of, yeah. of balance. Yeah. And having that point of balance means your whole life can then mm. work better. Mm -hmm. So really respecting that. And you know, where is my point of balance today? And it'll be different each day. And mm -hmm. maybe it takes it longer or shorter to, mm. to find that. But I, f I find a lot of places around the world, um, spas and, and resorts, they really don't, often they don't spend enough time or enough attention to the cold plunge, to the cold experience. Mm -hmm. So they'll have a, you know, a hammam or a, a sauna or, or a you know, hot, hot tub, but then the cold might just be a cold shower. Mm -hmm. And often it's not chilled, so it might be ambient, mm -hmm. 18, 20 degrees, mm -hmm. which is not really chilled. And the ones that, that do, then you also need a space that's dedicated. Um, I think the, Rome, the ancient Romans, you know, they, they did this really well. <laughs> they, they had the, the tepidarium. So the cold airing was the cold and they had the, you know, the sauna, but then they had the tepid airing, which is just you know, a comfortable temperature where you'd go often in dim lighting, maybe some nice music, but then that's where you just go and relax and find your balance. Mm -hmm. So you want a, a, a space that's dedicated to, to being really comfortable. Mm -hmm. So you've been uncomfortable in the sauna, so how comfortable can you experience? <laughs> and exploring the extent of how comfortable you can be, this is the time to do it. Now you've gone to hot, yeah. you've gone to cold. Now I'm going to, now how comfortable can I possibly yeah, be? Yeah. And it's a bit of an exploration. So mm -hmm. you experiment with yourself and maybe you fall asleep, but that's okay. Then you needed it. Mm. How comfortable can I be that I'm not thinking and worrying about things? So mm -hmm. I'm comfortable not just with my body, but with my thoughts. Mm. So this is a, a, a practice that you need to put attention to. So you're actively doing nothing, not just oh, I'm going to do nothing and watch TV. Right. It's I'm actively going to do nothing, and I'm going to experiment. How comfortable can I feel in my body and my mind? Right. And the sauna is actually like the preparation, just like yoga. Originally, yoga, the asana practice, was a preparation for meditation. Mm -hmm. So you get your body in in a state where it's flexible, and you've got a comfortable seat, mm -hmm. and then you're in a comfortable position for the meditation. Mm -hmm. The sauna and the hot and cold. This is the the workout for your body so then you can be really comfortable and find that that point of balance mm -hmm. at a physiological level mm -hmm. down down to the mitochondria yeah that's amazing and that's 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 great to to point that out because i think it's something that many people overlook and yeah. it's simple yeah maybe it's just a, a mat on the ground with a yeah. pillow or yeah. some nice lighting or it, it doesn't have to be complicated but mm -hmm. uh, but putting attention to that i think it's really really valuable all right, so, so going from the hot, hot experience, you would go first, first the cold, afterwards before rest, yeah? Yes, yeah. And, and the reason you do that is when you're, when you're in the heat, mm. you're very vasodilated. So all your blood vessels are open, mm -hmm. you're um, picking up a lot of metabolic waste products that are in your muscles and your skin, mm -hmm. but you're not making new metabolic waste products, mm -hmm. you're not actively using your muscles. Mm -hmm. 
But then what you want to do is push that blood from the periphery into your core. Mm. And to do that, the cold, what that does, it actually takes a while for your body temperature to cool down. Your periphery cools down much quicker than your core. Mm-hmm. So you go into the cold, your arms and legs will contract mm-hmm. the most, and all that blood will go into your, your core, which is your internal organs. Mm-hmm. So it goes through your liver and your kidneys, mm-hmm. which are the, the filters. Mm-hmm. So they're taking up all those waste products and filtering, filtering them out, provided you're hydrated yeah. enough. And that's a really great process to clean. It's like a house cleaning for your body. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so that, that whole, you, know, you open your blood vessels, close your blood vessels, and then it, alm- it almost stops the heat coming out. Because if your blood vessels are closed on the surface, yes. your, your core is still warm, then that heat is sort of trapped in your body. So you haven't mm. cooled your body significantly, you don't, you know, unless you spend 10 minutes or something until mm-hmm. your body really cools down. So it's like a snap cold. So you're just forcing the blood back into your core, and then when you're resting, that core temperature mm-hmm. can merge with the, the periphery and your blood vessels can find the sweet spot. So it's like if you had a hot shower than a cold shower, mm-hmm. instead of being hot, um, and let's say the room is cold, and you come out, your vasodilated, you know, you feel the room is cold. If you have a, a cold shower just after your hot shower, you come out into a cold room, but you're actually feeling the heat from inside your body. Mm. So that's what you're doing. You're sort of trapping the heat inside your body and then letting it all come into balance. Mm. So the cold doesn't have to be a, a long cold experience. It could just be cool air. I mean, if you've got doesn't have to be a yep. ice plunge or a cold shower. Um, can just be walking out, walking around in the cold air if you're, it's winter time. Mm-hmm. Or can be a you know a cold shower. I think if it's water, cold water, I like it um, below 12 degrees. Mm-hmm. And um, there's you know evidence for, for in your body that once it's below 12 degrees, you get this strong muscular uh, vasoconstriction. Yeah, the smooth muscle contracts really mm-hmm. strongly. But it's 18, 20 degrees, like ambient. Mm-hmm. And, you know, up in Byron Bay, mm. the water doesn't get that cold. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, down in Melbourne, mm. you know, the, the, in wintertime now, the tap water might be, you know, 8, 10 degrees. Mm. So that really gives you the, <gasps> that, yep. that, that response. So it's really nice to get, you know, a, like a cold experience. Yeah. Depends on how long. If it's in the air, it might take longer to cool down. And then, then you relax. Mm. That makes sense. Oh, that's great. And so how long would you say is a good amount of time? Surely it, it depends on the person and the situation and, and their health at that moment. Mm-hmm. But overall, is it, you know, is it just a couple of minutes or are you talking 10 minutes or 20? In the cool? Mm-hmm. Um, often I'll, I'll do, you know, two to three minutes. That's, that's all it takes to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I do that in a cold shower. Yeah. Like in wintertime, in a cold shower or in a cold plunge. Mm-hmm. A couple of minutes is plenty. All you need. Yeah. Huh. And, and often you want to get to the point where you're in the cold and you're breathing comfortably. Mm-hmm. So again, it's finding comfort. It's, cold water is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's an uncomfortable situation, mm-hmm. but you want to be able to feel comfortable in that uncomfortable situation. So yeah, go into the cold, but you can still breathe. So it's, you're not, <gasps> yes, yes, yes. and then you're coming out, oh, oh my God, it was so cold. You want to, it's cold, and then, oh, okay, I can tolerate that. And once you're comfortable there, then you can move on. Right, because what would be thinking about you know the customers that we have that are more on the extreme side what is the downside of having an ice bath for too long too early that type of thing well if you have an ice bath for a long time mm. you will start to drop your your core body temperature 
mm-hmm. like a, a short ice bath, even one or you know a minute or so, mm-hmm. your vasoconstrict your periphery. So mm-hmm. you, you might even feel your hands and feet, and that's that's what feels painful in an ice mm-hmm. bath. Because and that's if you're in severe cold, mm-hmm. you know, they're the parts that get frostbite. Mm-hmm because the blood vessels are closed down so much mm-hmm. because normally you radiate a lot of, of heat from there mm. that you, know, you can't nourish the tissue and the tissue dies. Mm. So it's the hands and feet that will feel really cold. Um, but in terms of, if you're gonna spend a long time in the cold, maybe 10 minutes mm-hmm. or you know, five, 10 minutes, you start to drop your core body temperature. Now there's positives for that as well because there's a training in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're stimulating your own metabolism to then generate heat. Mm-hmm. It's a different effect than just a short-term cold of snap, you know, snapping your blood vessels closed. Mm-hmm. So that's the immediate effect, your blood vessels snap shut. You have the psychological effect of, of you know, I've gone into the cold and you have to overcome that initial, <gasps> that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. hyperventilation that the cold causes. And controlling your breath is, is actually a really valuable thing, that the cold, a gift that the cold can give you because you're overcoming anxiety and, and the body chemistry of trauma and, mm-hmm. and if you've had trauma in the past you can relive that in a very controlled situation right. so that's great but if you're going to go in a long time in the cold it's a different sort of training mm. and you'll find that you're you know, after 10 minutes you, you won't think as straight your, your um, brain takes about 25% of your oxygen mm-hmm. you know, just to have your monkey mind working right when your body's temperature starts to drop, okay, your, your body to save its core temperature will first shut down your periphery, mm-hmm. so your hands and your feet, and mm-hmm. then your limbs will go quite cold. And then your brain will turn itself off because it wants to keep that energy for your heart and your, mm. you know, and your vital organs. So it's actually a forced meditation. So when you go into the cold and you're actually getting quite cold, mm. you'll find that your brain can be quite still. It can be in a nice, quite quiet space. Mm-hmm. and. Um, we did some research. Uh, one of my PhD students is uh, Lauren Burns, who won the, the gold medal for Taekwondo um, you know, at the Sydney Olympics. And she's also a naturopath nutritionist. And we were, um, well, she, did, she spent five years doing research on world champion athletes. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, inter- or she interviewed a whole range of athletes. And to be on her interview list, you had to be a, a world champion for multiple years. Wow. And the question was, how do you stay at the top of your mm-hmm, game in, mm-hmm. in a world champion? What, you know, what do you eat? What do you think? You know, what do you do? So yeah. all these aspects of lifestyle. And you know, the psychological aspect was really important. That's been quite known. But the things that came out in her research that wasn't that well discussed or known, one was they had a really strong friendship group. Huh. So they had a social connection and mm-hmm. friendships were really important to be able to let your hair down and not feel mm-hmm, you know, fully mm-hmm. yourself and just to be yourself. Yes. Because otherwise you're this world champion and the, the pressures of competing and yes. making the team or not making the team and all these other things can happen but just you can be a human being be yourself so that mm-hmm. was really important but the other thing was that they all did ice bathing wow and we didn't expect that mm. and when we asked them about it they said they were introduced to ice bathing for recovery because it, you know after training mm. they were told it was good for recovery but that they felt the benefit they got from it and the reason why they kept on doing it was for the mindfulness it gave them wow because when they're in the ice bath, you're just in the ice bath. They're mm-hmm. not worrying about the competition or what's happening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's a forced meditation. Mm-hmm. And they, they felt the mental health benefits were superior than just the recovery benefits or the physical benefits. Amazing. So yeah, when you're in an ice bath and, and really cold, you do, you get this forced mindfulness. Your brain sort of shuts down and you're forced to just be in the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a benefit of that. So the timing of, of the cold, you know, I, 
if you're if you're doing hot cold you know, rinse hot cold rest repeat mm -hmm. you know, a minute or two is fine if you want to really push the cold again know your limits so mm -hmm. um, and you know cold is a life-threatening situation however you can have you know a hot tub or a sauna there so you know you're in control of it so you can practice um, going to the edge of your physiology to the extremes of your mm. of your um, body's ability to cope and literally put yourself in a life-threatening situation and then be in control of it mm. and that's that's real mastery over your body and people like Wim Hof you know able mm. to you know really master their physiology in that way mm. so yeah but in the protocol a couple of minutes and, and, and you've achieved it. You've, you've got the vasoconstriction, yes. you've flushed your organs, mm -hmm. and then you're ready to rest. And when you're resting, then that core heat that you've generated can then start to go back through your body, and that's when you find that balance. Mm. When your blood vessels are, you know, it's like the yoga. You've done, um, you know, yoga stretching, and then the shavasana, the relaxation at the end of the yoga class, mm -hmm. you feel much more relaxed than if you just went <laughs> into relaxation at the start. Yes. Well, it's the same with your body. Know, you open your blood vessels as open as they can, you shut them down and they, they go down tightly, and then you find that balance point in between. Mm. And that balance point will be more profound having done that exercise. Gotcha. Amazing. Oh, that doesn't sound too hard. It's actually, it's actually really simple. Yeah. 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 And then after that, <coughs> you would potentially repeat the cycle? And then, and then it's good to repeat it. And I like to do, if I can, three mm. rounds. Mm -hmm. And you'll find the second round goes quicker because mm -hmm. your body's already primed and you know, you've, you'll start to sweat. Mm -hmm. um, usually I'll start to sweat quicker if you do on the second round. Mm -hmm. And it, it, when you do one round, I mean, it's really nice and mm. you get that relaxation. And it's almost you're practicing going from <coughs> being relaxed mm. to stressed and then relaxed. Mm. So you're training your body to find balance. You're training your body to, and your mind because you know, you, and it actually takes a mental effort to do it because when you're in that relaxation, do I really want to do it again? Or you're in the hot, do I really want to go into the cold? Mm -hmm. So there's a, a mental hurdle at each time that you have to overcome. So this is great practice for life because life will always throw uncomfortable situations at you. Mm -hmm. And it's how, how do we navigate that? How, how prepared are we to be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation? Mm -hmm. And this is just uh, you know, uh, a practice that you can do that's really relaxing, enjoyable, it's fun, um, it's healthy on so many levels, mm -hmm. and it's just amazing life training. And it's, while, while you know, there's always research to say, you know, if you have regular sauna bathing, you'll have less heart attack, less stroke, less Alzheimer's disease, less respiratory infections, less pneumonia, on and on, less death from all causes. Wow. So this is a you know, really powerful <laughs> practice. You know, yeah. It stops you dying. Yes. <laughs> I mean, wow, it's great, huh? And, but the thing is, okay, to stop you dying, you want to enjoy living. Yeah. So this is a way you can actually enjoy your living and also prolong your life. Mm. So this is not a painful practice that, okay, I have to do this and it's, I just yeah. you know, survive through it because I'm going to so I'll live longer. No, this is something I, I really enjoy to do. Um, I take time for myself. I do it with, with friends. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I often I have, I have at home extreme wellness parties. <laughs> we come over, we do hot and we do cold and we you know, make tonics and, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, it's an enjoyable thing. Yeah. It's so much easier to comply with your practice or whatever it is, you know, um, than trying to push yourself all the time in such such a situation. Yeah. So and I think fun, fun is really important. That yes. You want to enjoy it. Yeah. And, and uh, mind you, it takes time. You need to make time for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to hear, I found, because, um, 
you know, I, I guess the time that we live in, you know, people try to cramp in or there is the tendency to, to put a lot of different things into your day and, and try to get <coughs> more done. But I think we sometimes forget to, um, to get the quality out of, out of practice. You know, maybe it's better to do two things well than five things and well, push through it. Absolutely. And I, and I think just actively doing nothing is not respected. So yes. often people will be in their relaxation room, but you'll still, they'll be on their phones mm -hmm. and they're, they're not doing nothing. They're actively, their yes. mind is active. Right. So, you know, I would suggest if you're going to do that you know, in the rest period, mm. when you're actively doing nothing, you're not on your phone. Mm. You're just having a break. But what will happen is if you do that for you know, 15 minutes and have that relaxation, when you're on your phone and doing something, you'll be much more productive. Mm. You, you know, you're much mm -hmm. more productive in your life when you can go from that stillest point. You find the still point with your body and your mind. And then when you're active, you've got your whole body and your whole mind mm -hmm. to direct to whatever you need to do. Mm. So yeah, I suggest don't go on your phone in that relaxation. Treat that as a, a sacred time of mm -hmm. how, how comfortable can I be without you know, going on my phone and checking my profile or what, whatever people do, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that certainly sounds like you give permission to that. And th I, I love that, you know, mm -hmm. putting really a focus on that and, and just being. Can I just check with you, uh, pick up on a couple of things. You know, heat shock proteins is something that's talked about a lot. And, and I think it goes either way, like, you know, extreme cold or cold, whatever extreme mm -hmm. means, and, and, and hot. Mm -hmm. Would you mind talking a little bit about it? Because I think it, it comes more and more into the mainstream, but when you talk about these athletes, uh, the recovery partly is certainly due, due to the, the creation of these, these proteins while you're well, in extreme. Well, lots of things with the recovery. Mm. The heat shock proteins are, um, they call them chaperone proteins. Hmm. And they're basically your biochemical thermoregulation. So, you know, I was saying how all life has to live within a, mm -hmm. um, you know, narrow temperature window. And as mammals and as humans, we have the most sophisticated thermoregulation than any other organism. Because mm -hmm. not only do we have all the basic mechanisms of um, directing blood flow and, um, you know, controlling metabolic heat, you know, because we're mammals and we can generate heat, mm. but we can also put on an air conditioner, put on clothes, you know, <laughs> you know anticipate, read the weather pattern. You know, yeah. So we have very sophisticated thermoregulation. But at the physiological level, down into the biochemical level, mm -hmm. um, your proteins get stressed by hot and cold mm -hmm. and they can mis misform and, and go out of shape. And these heat shock proteins are there to... to protect your other enzymes and other proteins from the effects of extremes of temperature. Mm. That's, the, that's the best way to think about them. Yeah. So they're, they're a biochemical um, thermoregulatory role to protect your, your sensitive protein. And proteins you know, that make up most of your um, body, but the enzymes that are the functioning part of your body, require a very special folding and um, configuration to be active. Mm -hmm. And the heat can disturb that because when everything heats yeah. up, that it moves more. Mm -hmm. And cold can also disturb that because it forms, you know, it, they, it reduces that movement. So the, the chaperone proteins, the heat shock proteins, um, this is at least my understanding, is they um, protect um, your other sort of functional enzymes mm -hmm. and proteins from the, the extremes of temperature. Mm. And again, it's building up that practice. So if, if you don't, 
go to the extremes of temperature, you downregulate those proteins. Mm -hmm. So they're not as available. Just like if you don't practice going hot and cold and your blood vessels don't practice going open and closed, then they're not that able to do it you know, when you need to. Right. So by practicing that, you're upregulating these proteins and you're protecting the other proteins. And also there's a process of apoptosis and um, autophagy. So this is a process of autophagy is recycling mm -hmm. cellular ma ma material. Okay. Right. So if you have a protein that is misfolded, mm -hmm. it's like it passed its use-by date, mm -hmm. then these pro other proteins come in and say, okay, maybe we can repair you, but maybe we can't. Maybe we just have to break you down mm -hmm. and rebuild you. Mm -hmm. And that's autophagy. So you're taking the proteins that are passed the use-by date, rebuilding them, mm -hmm. and then making new ones. And apoptosis is doing that with cells. So cells that are old and past their use by date, and maybe they're not as functioning as well. Mm -hmm. Well, your body makes an assessment. You know, can you know, can we sort of repair that cell? No, it's you know it's dysfunctional. We're gonna that cell's gonna die, program cell death, and we're gonna have a new cell to replace it. So, is it the the heat shock proteins that are more around because of the heat and cold that that is the benefit over just doing nothing like, like heat treatments, or is it the additional stress on all the other enzymes and proteins and there's more damage therefore more of the heat shocks are created and therefore yeah. I, maybe it's a chicken, chicken and egg, and egg. Oh, okay uh, but well what and i don't i'm not sure the answer to that but uh, what i would suggest is that the more you're exposing yourself to those extremes yes. they're going to upregulate those proteins yeah because they're still a protein mm. and um, the more you use proteins, they get upregulated, so you get more mm -hmm. messenger RNA, and mm. you know the DNA gets transcribed. So you can upregulate that, and if, if you've got more of those proteins available, then you're protected. Mm -hmm. you've, got, you've got more protection. Whereas if you're living your whole life in the comfort zone, yeah, you're not. You know, you're always always comfortable. Then you're not going to have that same um, degree of, of protection. That makes a lot of sense because I think that we, you know, let's say we, we live a really. Uh, really cushioned life in terms of temperature, in terms of what our day-to-day -day looks like. But every now and then there's a cold snap, there's, I forgot my t-shirt, mm. uh, sorry, or, you know, another layer and therefore I'm really cold. If my body is not used to also deal with more extremes, mm. that has a quite a quick negative impact on me, I suppose. Uh, whereas if, if my body is actually used to that type of um, extremes, when it then happens, you know, because of things that happen, you know, in, in my day-to-day -day life, then it's prepped for that, right? Yeah, and I think it's, there's a translation that happens from your biochemistry to mm -hmm. your physiology to your psychology. Mm -hmm. So it comes from the, you know, the cells all the way up. Mm -hmm. So just when you're exercising your biochemistry, that makes your physiology work better, you know, mm -hmm. your blood and your organs, and that makes your psychology work better. So even when you have psychological stress, mm -hmm. you're better able to cope with it. Because you've got this depth of balance and depth mm -hmm. of homeostasis you can draw from. Mm -hmm. So it actually gives you, you know, mental health benefits as well as the, the physical and biochemical benefits. Awesome. That's fantastic. Mm. Thanks for that. Look, I have an, another thing that you mentioned a couple of times, vasodilation. And we talk sometimes on this podcast about it, but, you know, there's so many different angles to it. Um, can you explain a little bit what that is, how infrared saunas or normal saunas, how that might differ, how it happens or not, and, and how, how cold then comes into place to actually clamp it down again and, and, and you know, reduce sure. the dilation? Well, you know, I said that you know, water conducts heat 25 times mm -hmm. more than air. And the way your body controls its temperature is 
you know, moving water around, which is muscling your blood. Mm. So the blood flow is one of the ways you thermoregulate. Uh. And where the blood is close to the surface is, you know, the pulse points. That's where you radiate a lot of heat. So, you know, in your head, you know, saying if you're cold, put on a hat because mm. you radiate a lot of heat from your head. Mm-hmm. Also your legs. There's not a lot of, um, especially your lower legs, there's not a lot of um, fat around your, mm. your chins and th- thighs. So you can actually, with a hot um, foot bath, um, you know, regulate your temperature or a cold foot bath to do hot and cold. Mm. So, even if, so that's actually, we didn't talk about that, but if you just want to do hot, um, cold, you don't have to do your whole body. You could just do cold foot bath yeah. and you still get that benefit because the blood is going through there. It's very close to the surface and the blood gets chilled when it goes through your legs. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, my, my, my grand would always say, you know, being a very different generation, and you normally don't strip off that, that quickly in her generation, at least she was early 1930s or no, 20s she was born. Um, it was all about just uh, putting the wrist under a cold running yeah, tap. Yeah, so you can do it on pulse points. Yes. Um, and actually, when you're, when you're sleeping, mm. you actually fall asleep as your body temperature is dropping. So it's really hard to fall asleep with cold legs, cold feet. Mm-hmm. So even just a, a warm foot bath or you know, heating your body up before you go to bed um, c- helps with sleep because you, you have to be warm before your temperature can drop. And as your temperature is dropping, that's when you actually fall asleep. Mm. So yeah, it's um, you know, vasodilation, vasoconstriction is um, the way your body controls temperature. Mm-hmm. And you've got 100,000 kilometers roughly of blood, of blood vessels. Yeah. You know, going through everywhere. And those blood vessels are, co- are aligned by smooth muscle that's controlled by your autonomic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system will open up some muscles and, cl- and close others. So we, when you're in fight or flight, you, know, you get adrenaline response. Mm-hmm. So the blood you know, rushes you know, um, to your muscles and, and your, you, know, you contract your muscles mm-hmm. and your eyes wi- you know, are wide open and, and it actually goes away from your core. So you shut down digestion, you shut down healing, you shut down your immune system, you know, when you're in, in a fight and flight, a sympathetic nervous system. So that's due to how, where the blood, blood is flowing. To me, there was a really important point that you made. So it's, it's not like our blood vessels are actually like, like a hose and, and the, the heart is pumping through all of it. Because mm. that always got with my mind, how can yeah. that even be? Because from a physical point of view, it doesn't make sense that this drives it. So... There's actually, it's clear now to, to us that there are actually muscles that, that line the, uh, our blood vessels to and, move and, blood around. And very sophisticated. Wow. You no, know, really sophisticated. So you could, uh, I mean, yogis can control, you know, blood to here to there, different parts you know, of their body, Whoa. just mentally. Yeah. But even without that mental control, your autonomic nervous system controls very fine-tuned um, where the blood's going to go. And, he, and that's even related to our psychology. So, you know, when you blush, you know, you, yes. you know you're embarrassed. This is blood flowing to your cheeks. This is all blood, con- blood control and, and do with vasodilation, vasoconstriction. So healing, I mean, you need blood to get to somewhere that's that to, to heal it. And if you have poor circulation, that's when you get chronic ulcers and you know, all these sort of problems. Mm. Um, and very often that's around the ankles because to circulate the blood from all the way down there up to your heart mm-hmm. can take, you know, it's pu- pushing against gravity. Mm. And if you have you know, problems of, of blood circulation in your feet, mm-hmm. then you don't need, you know, a little nick or a burn or a, you know, a hangnail can become infected and your body can't get there mm. to heal it. So um, having good vasodilation, vasoconstriction, you know, control over your blood supply through mm-hmm. all of your body is really important for your health. And um, 
you can control it by the external environment. Uh, I mean, it's out of our control normally. So I said, you know, when you're sympathetic, it goes to your muscles and you know your eyes and your brain. In parasympathetic, when you're um, you know rest and digest, it goes to your internal organs, and that's mm -hmm. when you're sleepy, and and the, and the blood goes within. Mm -hmm. But that's not under your control normally. But if you go into heat, into a sauna, mm -hmm. you know you're going to vasodilate because uh, for temperature regulation, you push the blood to the surface. Mm -hmm. That's why you feel flushed and, and your, your skin goes red. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sweating will, you know, um, reduce your temperature. But that vasodilation will happen generally all over the body. Ah. And then you go into the cold and you get this vasoconstriction. And that vasoconstriction, as I was saying before, is mainly in the periphery because you're shutting down, you don't want to lose heat now from mm. your, your feet and your hands and, and um, your pulse points. And that blood then goes into your internal organs. Mm. And then you're nourishing all your internal organs. And you're also filtering all that blood. Mm -hmm. So there's a detoxification effect, there's a nourishing of your internal organ effect. And it's through manipulating your external environment that you can push blood around. Mm. And um, I mean, we do that, you know, if you're want to heal something and it's like, you know, yeah. often you put a hot poultice on it yeah. or even a hot water bottle on your stomach that just pushes that moves the blood to there it opens up those blood vessels and directs your body's attention and the blood to that just from the heat of the the poultice or the hot water bottle etc right so going into a sauna or an ice bath does exactly that like in the sauna it basically brings the the blood all to the surface and probably also just have much more dynamic flow in there because of it, huh? Well, well it is, and, and that, that dynamic flow means your heart is pumping more. Yes. So it's actually really great for your cardiovascular system. Mm -hmm. And, and um, using saunas for uh, heart failure mm -hmm. is, is really well documented. Oh, wow. And, and very often people with heart conditions find it hard to actively exercise, because mm -hmm. often they have arthritis, other issues as well. But in a sauna, it's a way you can actually sit comfortably and give your heart a good workout. So that's actually really valuable for your heart. Mm. And it's pushing against less resistance because all your blood vessels are open, so the heart can pump harder and mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not getting the squeeze back from the blood vessels that are, that are contracted, they're, they're all mm -hmm. open. It's called, so you get a lower total peripheral resistance mm -hmm. and more cardiac output. So it's great for your cardiovascular system. Must be especially when you, um, as one gets older, it, I hear, you know, you have all sorts of, of clogging up of, of uh, your vessels as well. For that, it would help a lot. Well, yeah. vascular disease, before about 2018, was the biggest killer you know, in the Western world. I think cancer took over in mm. 2018, but it's still the second biggest killer. Mm. So that's you know, heart attack and stroke. Mm -hmm. And then you know, high blood pressure and all the things associated with that. So it's still you know, a massive cause of morbidity and mortality. Mm. So to exercise your blood vessels mm -hmm. is you know, a really great way to prevent, mm -hmm. you know, heart attack, stroke, and all, all these other conditions. And, and the data shows that, that people who reg regularly sauna bathe have less heart attack, less stroke, mm -hmm. le but less a whole range of other conditions, including um, dementia and pneumonia and other conditions, because their body has been nourished. You're, you're getting, you know, blood going to all the places it needs to, and then um, those blood vessels are, uh, are, are getting a workout. That's like... Like, you know, when, when you look at the, the global scale, often it's actually not that there's not enough supply, but it's, it's more like the distribution of it. It sounds exactly like it. Like, I would probably think, like, just because you, you might be older or sick doesn't mean that you don't get all the nutrients into your body, but where does it go from? It's a supply issue, yeah. Wow. And, and you know, the, those blood vessels get clogged up and, yeah. and the circulation and, you know, to, uh, a lot of 
you know, elderly people, especially people who are diabetic or you know, um, mm -hmm. have issues with the vascular system and overweight, um, the blood getting from their legs upwards can be an issue mm -hmm. and that their legs aren't nourished and if the, the tissue doesn't have enough blood supply, mm -hmm. it can break down, it can't heal if it's injured mm -hmm. and that's when you, you start to get problems. And then you can have, you know, varicose veins and, um, you know, um, DVTs and blood clots and all, all these sort of issues. Mm -hmm. So having your blood flush through your body and you know, clean everything out and, and nourish your body. I mean, your blood is the way that nourishment gets to all your cells. Mm -hmm. This is a really powerful thing to do for your health. Yeah. We, we found that people with arthritis, they often report back that the pain goes away. And we believe that's because the, the element P is flushed out that indicates pain. So it's mm -hmm. flushed away from that area. So the discomfort is gone and, and hopefully, you know, more nourishment and, and so that's on. That's right, directing yeah. blood to that area will, will actually help. Yeah, yeah. Wow. so it's, that's actually not really complex. Well, the, the end result of what you just said is actually not that yeah, complex. It's actually, but, it's actually you know, pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, really, but yeah. It, took, it took us a while to really figure it out, I guess. As and if you think of blood as, um, I mean, it does provide that nutrition and, you know, oxygen and, mm. and all of that but it also provides thermoregulation mm. for your whole body. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's you know, a really important role of, of blood that we don't often appreciate that much. Yeah. So thinking actually about something that must be related and that's detoxification. So when you have a better flow, I would think that um, cells can discharge their waste products much easier well, or it would go somewhere rather than staying locally in really slow flow, which yep. I believe would probably alter the pH and would be probably create all sorts of other issues. So um, can you talk a little bit about detoxification? Because I think it's a huge, it's, it's a term that is used so much, but I think different people see it from different angles, I suppose. Yeah, and, and it's, it's often a confused term. I mean, in the medical, like the strict Western medical term, yes. detox means drug and alcohol <laughs> detox. That's it. <laughs> They're not, not doing environmental <laughs> chemicals, whereas in the sort of complementary medicine, you know, yeah. natural medicine community, detox is about removing environmental toxins from the body. Ah. And if you think about, you know, entropy is always there. You're always going to have waste products. You're mm. always going to have, you know, things that break down. So even... You know, carbon dioxide is a waste product you have to detoxify because mm -hmm. you know from met from metabolism mm -hmm. and your me your metabolic processes are always making waste products that have to be processed and that's mm -hmm. why you have a liver and kidneys and and you know your bowel that processes that and, and flushes it through mm. so the best thing to do to counteract entropy is to be an open system because mm -hmm. entropy is about closed mm -hmm. systems and uh, to be alive, you have to be an open system. You have to eat and excrete. You have to breathe in and breathe out. Mm -hmm. You have to keep things flowing. So when, when things stop flowing, that is when you start to have disease. That's when you, ha when you have a closed system, you have entropy. And essentially that's the, you know, it works in Western science, you know, in physics to say, okay, an isolated system has entropy, an open system can evolve and grow. But also in um, Chinese medicine, they say it's the flow of qi that maintains your health mm -hmm. and if you have a blockage in the flow of qi that mm -hmm. is the you know that's the cause of illness and you know above the blockage you have excess and below the blockage you have deficiency mm -hmm. and acupuncture and and herbs are, are aiming to in, enhance that flow of qi and and once the qi is flowing well then your body heals itself mm -hmm. so your body is a natural healing you know mm -hmm. um, mechanism it, mm. it's, it's designed to to be well but if you have a, a blockage in that energy flow yeah. or blood flow, that, that will then cause you know, a build-up and toxicity can build up. Right. And then we have a lot of things in our environment 
that stop that flow mm -hmm. and also that build up toxicity. So we're exposed to so many um, toxic in insults that our ancestors never had. So we've got, you know, poison in the water, in our food, in our air, mm -hmm. you know, we have, you know, chlorine and fluoride and pesticides and, you know, all sorts of um, you know, plastics and xenoestrogens and endo endocrine disruptors and um, volatile compounds and, you know, um, uh, diesel exhaust and solvents and heavy metals and like <laughs> there's quite a bit, hey? There, yes. There's so many um, that we're exposed to on a daily basis. Yet our bodies, while they, while they you know, haven't been exposed to them for that long, it's just a, a novel thing in the human population. And we see, we see the effects of just the chronic disease that's prevalent now and the um, reducing fertility. I think in the last 50 years, you know, male sperm counts have got, gone down by 70% around the world. Wow, 7-0, yeah? 7-0. Yeah? Just yeah. from the, you know, the xenoestrogen, plastics and endocrine disruptors. So you want to be able to remove these from your body mm -hmm. effectively. And the, the organs responsible for that mostly mm. are your liver and your kidneys. Um, your sweat is to some degree. And, and I have a, a student, Joy Hussain, who's one of my mm. PhD students now. She's just finishing. She's spent the last five years, or seven years, I think she spent, um, studying sauna. Mm -hmm. And we've just done a study looking at, uh, the results haven't been published yet, but looking at um, the sweat that comes out when you sauna mm. and looking at things like you know, plastics and, and Know, xeno xenoestrogens and, and pesticides, etc. So that, you know, we're, we'll be publishing that research soon. So your, your channels of elimination, um, I mean, I, I talk about your, your bladder, your bowel, your breath, your body and your brain. <laughs> These are all the ways you can get rid of toxicity. Mm -hmm. So your, your bladder does it because keeping water flush mm -hmm. through your body and, you know, excreting through your kidneys. About 25% of all your blood from every heartbeat goes through your kidneys. So your kidneys are, you know, they're busy. They're busy. Um, <laughs> so you know, after four heartbeats, all your blood has gone through your kidneys. So it's, so that's they're constantly flushing, oh. um, yeah, and processing mm -hmm. metabolic waste products. Mm -hmm. um, your liver is this massive organ that that takes all the um, the blood from your gut when, when food is digested and filters all the nutrients from that. But it also has a, a very sophisticated detoxification pathways. Um, and there's all these different biochemical pathways, but depending on the type of chemical, how to detoxify things. Mm. And then they're either sent into the bile and you, you poo them out or mm -hmm. um, you, know, you um, excrete them through your kidneys and they mm -hmm. go back into the circulation and they're made soluble. So your um, liver and your kidneys are really important for, for detoxification. And then it depends on, you know, people talk about this sort of detox or that sort of detox and depending on what you're, what you're mm -hmm. if you're targeting a specific toxicity, because there's a lot of um, people who do get industrial exposure, for example. Yeah. Um, and when you're talking about toxicity, in, in very broad strokes, there's the lipid soluble toxins or um, toxicants. So the to a toxin is a natural toxic substance. A toxicant is a man-made toxic substance. Mm. So, you know, botulism, toxin, or even toxins in your body mm -hmm. um, um, are generated all the time. Toxicants are artificial man-made things. So for example, you know, DDT and PCBs and that would be toxicants. Mm -hmm. And they're lipid soluble, which means they dissolve in fat. And they're very hard to get rid of because fat you don't excrete. Mm -hmm. fat, fat is a really valuable biological substance. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of energy to, to have fat and mm -hmm. in evolution it helps you survive. 
So you don't want to excrete fat. And actually, the, the main time um, humans excrete fat, and it's only females, is when they're breastfeeding. And that's because they want to give that fat to yes. their child, okay. so they're, they're excreting it in their breast milk. Mm -hmm. And we know that um, when you breastfeed, you actually excrete all these toxic fat-soluble substances, these mm -hmm. lipophilic substances. And that um, if you're a first child, you get a higher dose of that because the mother has detoxified more into the first child than the second or third child. Oh. So if, if you have an older brother or sister, you have to thank them for taking that toxic hit for you. Gee, right on. So that's the, the fat-soluble um, toxicants. And you've got the water-soluble ones. And they're things like the more modern pesticides, like the organophosphates, etc. And... Um, we, we actually did some research oh, more than 10 years ago now. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I thought you might want it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, water's great, <laughs> especially spring water. <laughs> so, yeah, the, there's the water-soluble toxicants, mm -hmm. which are excreted mainly for your kidneys, and they're quite easily excreted, but often they're there all the time. So 10 years ago, or more, like 12 years ago, um, I had a PhD student, we, we did research on... Uh, organic food and pesticide um, excretion. And we showed that if you have just an 80% organic diet for one week, you'll, you'll get a reduction in your pesticide load in your urine by 90%. Wow. And that's because you'll flush them out, and if you're not replacing them, you know, they, they, just, they get removed from your body after a week. But most people would be exposed all the time. Mm -hmm. So they're instead of the, the lipid-soluble ones are called persistent organic pollutants. Mm -hmm. And they persist in your body, and they persist in the environment, often for decades in the environment. And they're the ones that go up the food chain. Mm -hmm. Like DDT. Yeah, like DDT. So it start, and, the, and the ocean food chain is more sensitive than the land food chain because it's longer. So you know, the, the right. phytoplankton will you know, get eaten by the zooplankton, and then the zooplankton will get eaten by the shrimp, and the shrimp will get eaten by the bigger one, and that will get eaten by the little fish, gets eaten by the bigger fish. Yeah. And you might get 10 million times magnification at the top of the food chain in the ocean. Yeah. And, you know, sea mammals and whales and, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, predatory fish, you know, big marlin and, and tuna have incredibly high levels of, of uh, these toxic substances in their body. In fact, I think so, some whales, when they get beached, they, their carcasses have to be treated as toxic waste because Ooh. of the high level. And there's some interesting research a few years ago where they, they were looking at whale earwax, where Apparently whales don't clean their ears, <laughs> and um, every year um, the wax builds up on the in their ear. So at the end oh, of their life, they have this like candle that comes out like of their like ear, like a tree ring, like a tree ring, exactly. Yeah, right. uh -huh. And they can actually look at the, yes. the rings and see how old that yes. that um, whale was, and um, they actually get a, a measure of how toxic the oceans are because of the toxicity built up by year to year. Wow. And when they look at, it, they see that the, the whale has a toxic hit when it's breastfeeding. There's a lot of, you know, because they're getting the toxic load from the mother, mm -hmm. and then they can see it increase over the years as the oceans have become more toxic. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, they're the, the lipophilic persistent organic pollutants. And then we have the water-soluble ones, where you, you can excrete out really well by um, drinking good water and, and saunering and flushing it. But they're often pseudo-persistent because we keep on eating them, or we keep on breathing, or we keep being exposed to them all the time. Mm -hmm. So this is where it's nice to have a regular practice to flush everything out, come back to balance. How clean can you be? How comfortable mm -hmm. can you be? How, how in balance can you be? And 
you know, the, the act of saunering and you know, doing the, that protocol of you know, rinse, hot, cold, rest, repeat, it's like an exploration of how comfortable am I able to be in my mind and my body right now and how clean can I be? Mm-hmm. How good can I feel? So this is, it's, it's on so many different levels this works. So many different levels. Yeah, I can see that. And, and coming back to what you said in the beginning of, uh, you know, you have the whole body in a hot state when, when you come out of the sauna. And then as you go into a cold environment, it shuts down the, uh, or, or the, you know, hands, arms, you know, legs, that, that type of thing. But still keep your core really warm, which to me means there's probably still a lot of um, vasodilation within the core. Well, that's right. Well, when, when you're in the, the hot, you actually have vasoconstriction in your core because you've, you've sent all the blood from, to the outside. Right. So now this is the opposite. You've, all that blood was on the outside, now uh. going to the inside. So you actually want it for a detox reason because you want the blood to go through the organs. Um, you basically catch it by sending all the blood into your extremities. Yep. Uh, it, it catches all the, all the toxins that are available at yep. that very moment. Then you go into the cold, which means it's all pulled, called, called home, yep. yeah, to, to, the, to the organs, and it, it goes through the organs Correct. more, more um, efficiently. So you're yeah, pumping right. blood to the outside, yes. then to the inside. To the outside to pick up the waste, to the inside to clear out the waste. And, the and then you're drinking lots to so it flushes out. You know, that makes much more sense when I hear that way. I've been exposed to this, you know, thinking for a long, long time on a really shallow level. So Mm -hmm. people would say, you know, it's good to have cold because, um, you know, like it hardens the body or, you know, whatever is said. But when you actually talk about the more, at a more detailed level, to me, that makes way more sense. Like I'm Mm. I'm more inclined to do it uh, now more regularly because I actually understand and can really see like that, that's definitely makes so much more sense. Oh, great, yeah, because it's not complicated and it, you mm. know, it makes intuitive sense. Okay, mm. the blood's gonna go to the outside, pick up the waste, and then you have to force the blood back into your organs. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're, you know, I was saying about fight and flight and rest and digest. Mm-hmm. So when you're stressed, mm-hmm. that's when the blood goes to the outside and you're you know, going, going to fight and you turn off your immune system, you turn off your healing system, you turn off digestion. So it's when you're relaxed and in that, rest period where you, they all turn on and then your organs become much more active. So that's when the blood is you know, going into your internal organs and you, know, you can turn on, your immune system gets active, your uh, digestion gets active. Yes. Oh, that's really powerful because if I think about a Western lifestyle, you know, we do this one hour sauna cold plunge session and then we're back into life whatever mm-hmm. maybe even you know do it do it after work on a, on you know after work and then go out with friends yeah. and be all animated again and i can see how that is really counterproductive because if you're back and fly, fight and flight quite quickly and i can feel it when i don't give myself enough rest after mm-hmm. after a sauna session it's actually more work and it feels really not not nice to push through it well your body will force you because you'll sleep really well yeah and that is a benefit, because, um, and, and this is one thing we did, um, Joy, who did the yeah. sauna research, we did the global sauna survey, yes. and the thing that pe- everyone came back with said, we sleep great after a sauna. Mm-hmm. So, mm. the, so your body will force itself to have that rest. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but if you can do it when you're conscious, mm-hmm. then you get the mental health and the physical health benefits, I think, mm-hmm. even more. And you probably will still sleep well. Yeah. So, yeah, it does, it tires you out. It, yeah. It's... Um, you, all this metabolic work takes energy and yeah you need to rest and, and come back to balance and if, right. you don't, if you just go straight into your life you're probably going to zonk out <laughs> that night mm. it just makes me think about the people that listen maybe that know that if they stop they suddenly get sick but 
you know, if you really think about the cycle, if you're constantly in fight and flight, there's no healing going on, you know, mm. and, and there's no detoxification going after you have all these toxins mobilized in your body. And then if you, <clears throat> if you, if you do stop and if it's just, I don't know, two or three times a year, I can imagine some people just do it, just really kick into it either on a Sunday, mm. every Sunday, <coughs> or, or, you know, when they're really arrested or when you're on holiday, there's certainly then what comes with it. Sometimes it's the flu or, you know, just so, some sort of sickness. Mm -hmm. And I can see that the, the toxic load has probably come quite high or just there's a stock take of the body saying like, look, you know, there's no other way than really going rock bottom and I make you sick for now to to really get through this. To force you. And often being sick, there is a detoxification that happens, mm. you know, in the mucus and, you know, yeah. so there's an excretion that happens. But it's good to be on top of that and to put pauses into your activity. Because yes. you know, there's so much stress right now in the modern world to be on the go all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who has ever kept up with their emails and, and the content, the stuff you want to watch, yeah. and, you know, everyone to contact. And yeah. So there's this pressure to be on all the time. Yeah. And, you know, what, what I really think this shows is that if you can actively turn yourself off, you can be more effective when you're on. Yeah. And to have periods, whether it's, you know, it's a couple of times a week, you're doing your sauna, mm. um, it can be doing a meditation practice every day. I mean, when you sleep, you're obviously turning off, mm -hmm. but really having some rituals around that, so mm -hmm. you're, you're doing that as much as possible. So having, having periods where you can be off as much as possible. How many things can you turn off in your body? I can turn my mind and my heart, <laughs> you know. So how to come really down into that point of stillness. Mm. And then when you're on, you can be fully on and focused. And I, and I really believe there's nothing more powerful in the whole universe than focused human attention. Mm. So that's what designs everything and mm -hmm. controls everything. Mm -hmm. So your focused human attention is so valuable. I think that's why everyone wants it. Mm -hmm. you know, that's why everyone's trying to demand attention because mm -hmm. it's such a valuable resource. Yet for you to focus your attention and to make it like a laser focus, you need your whole body behind it. Mm -hmm. Like your body is like the, the reflecting magnifier that focuses that laser. So to get your body working and your mind working together, then suddenly you become a really powerful force in the world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to, yeah, to focus um, your whole body and mind together on doing nothing, that gives you the, the base for then directing that attention mm -hmm. wherever you want. Amazing. Oh, that's great permission to do it. I love it. Mm. Hey, just a side question on the, uh, on the toxins. What do you think about toxin binders? Is that something that you would throw into your protocol of, you know, let, let's say, you know, you have your protocol, as you say, you know, you, you rinse, you have heat, you have cold, you, you rest, and then you repeat. Is there something that would help through the bowel detoxification to a detoxification to, yeah, to, to absorb something like, I don't know, clay or, or chlorella or something like that? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole range of binders yeah. and they're often very specific. Um, huh. you know, for targeting specific toxic exposures. Mm. And if you're going to target specific ones, it's good to have you know, why and what's your objective. Yeah. But, but I think it's really great to build into your everyday life mm -hmm. these binders. So one yeah. of the, the best binders is just soluble fiber. Okay. You know, having you know, whole plants, you know, hmm. having the whole fruit rather than the juice and, and having soluble fiber in your diet because that, that binds and excretes. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, water is one of the best I wouldn't call it a binder, but mm. the thing, you know, the medium for, for flushing toxicity mm. through. Um, a lot of phytonutrients um, act to bind um, toxicity. Um, and quite a few of them also enhance liver enzyme pathway 
detoxification. So a lot of um, a lot of the herbs you have in herbal mm -hmm. medicine and even herbal teas mm -hmm. that you can just have every day. I mean, I'm a big fan of Tulsi tea, mm -hmm. holy basil, and that actually you can have it every day, and that will will bind toxicity, but it also enhance your liver detoxification pathways. Mm -hmm. So I think. Yeah, I mean, there are specific binders, you know, and you can get into, you know, EDTA and DMSA for heavy metals and then, you know, zeolites and dolomites and different clays mm -hmm. in your gut and um, even chlorella and things that can bind some heavy metals. And mm -hmm. um, that they're great if you want to have a specific target. Mm -hmm. But I think you can really build that into a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle, mm -hmm. a lot of these um, agents that have other you know, nutrient benefits as well. However, I think it's there is some protocols around saunering to use herbs to enhance that. And again, that's been done traditionally. So even before you get into the sauna, if you have a, a herbal tea with a warming tea, so I mean ginger and cinnamon or something that you know, already warms you and, and yeah. vasodilates you, you can, you can, you know, that can enhance that experience. And then mm. when you're in the sauna, uh, I really like bringing attention to different parts of my body. So I, I might bring in a, a, have a ice bucket just outside with a face washer in it mm -hmm. with some I don't know, some lemongrass or nice essential oils, you know, some blends, and you just squeeze that out. And when you're really hot, you put that cold face mm -hmm. washer on your face with some essential oils in it, and it just heightens your senses. And it also um, gives you the feeling of being cool. If you're just putting it over your face or your head, then you can stay longer in the sauna. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you want to be comfortably uncomfortable. So you're uncomfortable, you're really hot, then you put the, you know, nice smelling cold mm -hmm. face washer over, and suddenly you're really comfortable when you're uncomfortable and you can just, you can stay a bit longer. So having those sort of um, experiences, which also make it fun. Yeah. And then um, maybe having a spray bottle with mist that you can have, you can mm -hmm. scent that, or if you're in a finished soil, you can put water on the rocks mm -hmm. with scent. Um, in New Zealand at Maria Hot Springs, we do wellness entertainment and we bring out um, you know, frozen watermelon with rose water. Mm. So it just That's stimulates great. the you know, set. Because when you're really thirsty and then really, you really appreciate drinking and good water and, and, <laughs> and you know, fruits. Because yeah. fruits are uh, a structured water. Fruits oh. are a really great source of structured water. Um, but you can delight your senses with that because your, your senses um, are hei heightened when you're mm. in that, oh, I'm really thirsty, I'm dehydrated. And experiencing that dehydration, okay, I'm, you, know, you, you know, you'll sweat. You'll, you know, often... I know I've spent long enough in the sauna, not just because I've got to that comfortable, uncomfortable, but the towel is heavy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've, I've sweated enough, so <laughs> I can feel the weight of yep. the towel, you know? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's a heavy towel, that's a good sauna. Because, <laughs> um, yep. you know, you mop the sweat, sweat off. And that's actually another good practice is to actually mop the sweat off, mm -hmm. not just let it sit there, because if it's got, um, you know, excreting um, yeah. substances in the sweat, you don't want to have them on your skin, you want to get them away from your skin. So that's a thing that you actually reabsorb absorb the toxins, yeah, that's sure. certainly a thing. So, okay, so, so definitely um, after you had a, sho a shower, uh, sorry, a sauna, either shower or um, at least use a damp cloth to, yeah. And, and I really, I mean, I've got an interest in this, in, in water, mm. but if you're, you know, you're in the sauna and then you're going to have a shower in chlorinated water, this is not ideal because your pores are open. Yeah. And your skin has a surface area of, of 30 square meters. Mm. We, when I was first in medical school, we were taught it was 1.8 square meters mm. of you know, your, your skin surface area, like about a single bed size. Mm. And then they realized that every time you have a hair follicle and mm. a sebaceous gland, it goes down and goes up. And it's a you know, very big surface area. And it's these glands that have special oils mm -hmm. that protect your skin from 
the sun and from aging and from getting wrinkles and from mm-hmm. um, also feed the good bacteria on your skin, which are protection against bad bacteria mm-hmm. and infections. Mm. So those oils are really precious and the bacteria are really valuable to mm-hmm. you. If you're, and when you're in the sauna, those, you know, your skin's very open. And then if you're using chlorinated water, you know, the reason why they use chlorine is it's so toxic, it'll kill bacteria at 0.5 parts per million when it comes out of your tap. So that chlorine will oxidize those natural oils and it will, it will not kill all the bacteria, but it will mm. change the bacterial population in your skin to make it more um, pathological. Right. So when we, fir- when we talked last time, I remember you saying that it's, it's safer to drink water because it actually at least gets filtered. Yes, um, through your liver, yeah. Yeah, then rather than putting it on your skin, which really means it gets absorbed right through into your bloodstream. That's right. Yeah. So it's, um, and when you're in... You know, having a sauna, you're more vulnerable. Mind you, hot water is worse than cold water because it the hot the water, um, not just opens the pores, but the gases come out of it. So mm. chlorine and um, uh, chloroform and trihalomethanes outgas from hot water once it's over about 25, 30 degrees. Yes. So it's the air it becomes toxic, not just the water. Oh. So if you're in cold water, mm-hmm. even if it's chlorinated, it's not going the chlorine won't affect you as much mm-hmm. with your lungs, but it's still going to affect the um, oils on your skin. Mm-hmm. Mind you, If it's really cold, your skin's going to snap, your pores are going to snap shut quicker mm-hmm. and the cold water won't, it's not as volatile, it won't have as much access. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you've got, you can't escape chlorinated water, then it's better to have it cold. Or there's a little trick you can do is you know, have a, ha- fill up a bath really hot mm-hmm. and then wait half an hour till it's outgassed. Mm-hmm. And after about half an hour of, you know, if it's yeah. hot enough, then you know, most of the chlorine uh-huh. will be gone. But that, um, You know, having a, a cold shower after, you know, flushing yeah. everything off, you know, the better the quality water, um, you know, the better your skin's going to feel, all the oils will come back and suddenly, you're, you know, you like to touch your skin and yeah. you'll, you'll notice that, you know, any skin conditions can, um, can improve and, and your hair feels better even. Do you, um, your filters that, that you have developed, is, are, they, are they taking the, uh, the chlorine out of it as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the, you know, I have beautiful water, we call it beautiful water, which is filtered, it's structured, mm-hmm. uh, it's balanced in terms of pH and minerals, huh. it's blessed mm. with positive intention, and it's free in terms of the, the water doesn't mm. cost money, the filter costs money, but the water's mm. free. But it's also free flowing in that it's not held in a tank or held in a bottle. Right. So it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's always mm. flowing. And, the, and water wants to be flowing. Mm-hmm. As soon as water is held in a tank or a bottle, it starts to lose its structure. Mm. And there's a whole science around, I mean, your body is structured water. Mm. If, the count, if you count you know, your two thirds water by volume mm. or by mass, but you're 99.9% water molecules. Mm. If you count every molecules, you know, proteins are huge and collagen and, mm-hmm. and nucleic acids are massive and water is super tiny. So 99.9% of your molecules are water molecules. Mm-hmm. So you're very highly structured water. Mm-hmm. And there are different ways that water can be structured. One is through biological um, organisms, whether it's you know, vegetables and fruit, mm-hmm. that, that's already structured if it's in a vegetable or a fruit. So you can eat water that mm-hmm. way. Um, through magnets, so mm-hmm. water, when water comes through magnetic rocks and stuff, it becomes structured. And the natural action of water going down a mountain stream forming vortexes. Yes. So this, this flow form yes. um, naturally causes uh, water to structure. And what they've found is when you have structured water, plants will grow better you know, and mm-hmm. you'll grow better. Uh, you know, mm. it's, it's easily absorbed into plants. With less water, you'll get 30% more growth and sprouts, etc. 
Um, if, you, if you're making bread, the bread will be moister mm -hmm. and, and taste better. If you're making concrete, the concrete will be stronger. Um, mm. If you're cleaning something, even without detergent, the water will clean better. And if you use detergent, the detergent will dissolve better and um, not leave a soapy film. Um, structured water dissolves the calcite minerals, turns them into aragonite, which is a more rhomboid shape and slides over each other. It's a smaller um, mineral. So the mineral's still there, but it doesn't form scale. Mm -hmm. So the pipes and, the, and your heaters and stuff won't get scale. But also you won't get scale on your shower screen. Mm -hmm. You know that white film you, you really, get? Really, you don't? Yeah, oh. you, just, you can just, um, and you're washing windows, you don't get streaks. Wow. So, so it saves on cleaning. And you just you know, flush, put the water on the shower screen and yeah. it stays clear. And it's also the same buildup that happens on your shower screen happens on your hair and your skin. Mm -hmm. And you know, suddenly you don't wow. have this scale mineral buildup. Yes. So structured water is actually a really um, important part of our life. Mm -hmm. Yet we don't often understand it and respect that. So I mean, the filters, the beautiful water filters naturally structure the water, but mm -hmm. the way the water goes through the filter technology, mm. um, through the, the sort of the polymer, iron exchange um, resin and polymer. But then I've also got a, what I call a beautiful water enhancer. And this is, it's actually a Swiss device mm -hmm. um, that is, it's a stainless steel tube that mimics you know, a kilometer of mountain stream. Wow. And it's just got a series of um, plates in it. Mm -hmm. And there's zinc, copper and, and um, silver plates. And the plates have got holes in it like a propeller. Mm -hmm. And it forces the water into vortexes. Mm -hmm. And the water that spins in the vortex, in the middle of the vortex, you have a cavitation bubble. So it actually creates like a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And that pulls any volatile compounds out of the water. So wow. the outgasses mm -hmm. things. But it also re um, makes the minerals more soluble. Mm. So this is a device that doesn't need replacement. You know, it's just the physics of the device wow. is what, you know, how, how it works. Yeah. Um, and it can go on your whole house. So I really, and these devices you can also, um, and I've been using it lately, is, um, you can connect them to a, a garden hose. So you can make your, you know, a garden mm. hose into a nice shower outside or... Great. But if you have it for your whole house, um, then even if you haven't filtered the water, you've got structured water. Mm -hmm. And that's really great for, yeah, for your skin, for um, your cooking, for your plants, for your pets, mm. uh, for cleaning. It's just, um, it's, it's the next level of water. Yeah, it's amazing. What's the website then? Just beautifulwater.co. Awesome. Beautifulwater.co. Um, yeah, so we've got a whole house system, which is two stainless steel mm -hmm. containers. Mind you, there's actually shortages at the moment for stainless steel. Mm. So we still have some in stock, but mm. I, I know we, the next container, I don't, you know, have to pre, <laughs> people have to pre-order yeah. to make sure they get them. Yeah. So the whole house system um, will do all the water. So it means you can drink from freely from any water, you know, any tap in your house. Brilliant. And I, I love that. I come out of the store and I have a beautiful water shower. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It just feels fantastic. Yeah. And then there's a, a, a under sink system or a whole apartments one for you know, for a couple that will mm -hmm. last, you know, a year or two. Mm -hmm. And the, the filter cartridges are actually regenerate, um, or you can regenerate them using a cleaning protocol. Mm. So, I mean, you can replace them and just buy a new mm. cartridge every year or two, but you can actually use um, a combination of citric acid and bicarb soda and flush them and actually regenerate them. So they last a you know, very long time. Brilliant. I love it. Thanks yeah. for that. Yeah. Hey, before I let you go, there was one last question around um, <laughs> going all the way back to sort of like what happens when you're actually in, in a cold or hot situation. And that's sort of endorphins and any other hormones that get released. Can you just speak on why that is and, and, and when that happens? Because I'm, I'm a little bit unsure why the body would do that. Is that just the reward system saying like you did the right thing, do it again? Or? Well, it's more like you've, you've 
endorphins get released as pain control. Uh-huh. So you're, you know, endorphins like hundreds of times more potent than morphine mm-hmm. in, term, in terms of pain control. And wow. um, you know, it's like the runner's high. You mm-hmm. get that because when you're running, you're actually doing damage to your body. Mm-hmm. You know, you're impacting muscles, get torn, your, your bones get you know, stressed. So your body releases the endorphins to keep you going. Mm-hmm. And then when you stop, you, the endorphins are still going because it's runner's high. Mm-hmm. So the, when you're in a threatening situation and with hot and cold, you're playing with a very profound life, life and death situation. Mm-hmm. You know, hot, too much hot and too much cold, you die. Mm-hmm. And that's not just, you know, mammals die, all life will die. Mm-hmm. So this is four and a half billion years of evolutionary intelligence to keep your body mm-hmm. your body in thermo thermoregulation. And endorphins are a way to I guess overcome you know a stressful situation. Mm. Um, and yeah you it's but it's not just the endorphins. You get this whole autonomic nervous system response as well as this physiological response. Mm-hmm. And I think as humans, because we have this very sophisticated, we talked about you know, thermoregulation, how we're so sophisticated, because mm-hmm. we've got our psychology as well as our biology. When you're going to the edge of your physiology with hot and cold, you know, you start with your biochemistry, then your physiology, but then your mind has to get involved. Mm-hmm. And when your mind is getting involved, that's when the, the, your body demands your attention. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I have to I'll get out of here, it's getting really hot, but if I just, let's, can I just breathe and recover? And when you're doing that, there's all sorts of neurochemicals that are being secreted that keep your mind focused, in balance, and aligned with the rest of your body. Mm-hmm. So the endorphins are part of that. And they're also part of the hormonal control. There's a, you know, um, the proto-endorphin, there's this hormone, pro-opio-melanocortin, which is like this pro-hormone that is secreted in the uh, pituitary gland that then gets broken down into endorphin and, mm. and melatonin and, uh, and other hormones. So this is, um, you know, they call it the conductor of the endocrine orchestra. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you have a good conductor, then the whole orchestra is playing well. Yes. And that's, that's what you want. Ah, gotcha. Thanks for explaining that. Mm. Awesome. Mark, I think I have to have you back because I have still so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> more coming up, um, yeah, or more, more, yeah, wanting to explore more avenues, but... Um, I haven't talked about fermented foods yet. That's oh, a, that's a whole <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've got a whole other <laughs> business doing that, but, and that's a, yeah, that's important with water. But that's a whole other topic. But yeah, we could yeah, we could we could talk for a long time. I think. If people want to research your work and what you do and your products, what's the best way to find you? Um, I've got a website, just Dr. Mark D R M A R C dot C O. My company, Beautiful Water, just mm-hmm. beautifulwater.co mm-hmm. for the filters. I have. Um, Extremely Alive Wellness Tonics. Mm-hmm. That's extremelyalive.com.au. They're great. Uh, Let's try them. I have my children's books, which mm-hmm. is pronoyapress.co. Mm. And um, I have Maria Hot Springs in New Zealand, which I can't go right now. Yeah. But that says mariahotsprings.nz, I think. Yeah. yeah. .co.nz, maybe? .co.nz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Terrific. Mark, yeah. thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom that you shared. Oh, thanks. It's always yeah. a pleasure to be up here and, and to chat with you. And um, yeah, and to be able to do a podcast in the sauna, there it's great. Go. And, and <laughs> I, it's, you know, I love sauna so much and, and the culture and um, trying to yeah, just bring these ancient knowledge, this ancient tradition mm. into the modern world. Yes. So I really love the, what you're doing with your company and um, 
yeah, I'm really happy to come back at any time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cheers. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Sauna Show. My name is Sebastian Mirau, and this episode was sponsored by Clearlight Jacuzzi Saunas, the world's leading provider of superior quality, full-spectrum infrared saunas. You can find more information and resources for this podcast at thesaunashow.com, all one word, or on Instagram at thesaunashow. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with friends. Until next time, have the best day ever.